1: Sports Talk Mississippi ah. on your radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ah.
0: Back with you for day three of SEC Media Days, Radio Row inside the Hyatt Regency in Hoover, Alabama. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy, Michael Borky. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at MSLandBank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. It's what they do, and it's what they've been doing for a really, really long time. Like a little more than 100 years. That's like uh, slightly more than twice Brian Haydad's age. Slightly. Maybe even more than slightly more of his age. Uh, So going back to... Oh, about 19, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. That's when uh, Mississippi Land Bank started financing land. They can help you if you're in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs of any kind. Borky, what's up Wednesday? How are you? Uh, doing well. A little bit more chaotic today than yesterday even it feels like. Why is that? Oh, because of the uh, the Alabama effect? Yeah, you know, I-, I wish we would stop normalizing the herding of the cattle in the lobby just waiting for a football coach to walk by a couple times. What do you mean by normalizing it? Like it's just a thing? Yeah, it, see, look, I-, I love college football. College football, you know, pays my mortgage in a way, right? And the craziness and how much we love it here is all a really cool thing. But that is beyond crazy, taking presumably a day off, hopefully these people are contributing to society in some way, are literally herded like cattle in a hotel lobby, and they're there just to scream at their football coach, who hates them by the way, so they can watch him walk by a couple times. And we take pictures and video and look at the Alabama fans, it's so crazy here. We don't need to normalize insane, that, that's, that's beyond fanatic, that's insanity. So I don't I, think that's the wildest thing
2: going on at this hotel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry? Move forward. Nothing. Going on with this discussion. Are you saying that there are things that happen in hotels when people take vacations to hotels? Whatever. What happens
2: in Hoover stays in Hoover. Yeah.
0: What are you guys getting at? We're getting at some great coverage today. Mississippi State's they here today. Great neighbors. Uh, Mississippi State's oh, here today. Wait. Hold on, hold on. No, are you, are you, like, hearing things through the walls? Nope. I don't know. We're going to talk to Joe Moorhead later today. Borky, why do they throw something like that out and then run Who from it? Who are they? It like a, Who uh, are they I have it out. no idea because this could be the best story that you've told all week and Rip, instead we're Rippy shutting threw it down. Out. Rippy threw it out. Brian Haydad is trying to be a good family man. I will tell you this. The first thing that Brian Haydad said to me this morning when he came down uh. to uh, jump on the radio with um, Paul Gallo, Came down, got the equipment set up for him, and pulled out. He said, "Man, you won't believe what happened last night." I said, "What's that?" He goes, "These noises coming through the wall from the room next door. Things were happening over there—honeymooners or something." And again, an hour ago, I was riding. I, oh. I don't. I don't know who honeymoon's in Hoover. Yeah, well, uh, who knows? The people that wait in the hotel lobby for Nick Saban to walk by. Let me let me explain something to you just for a second. You heard Borky saying. He said normalizing. The The idea of herding cattle or people as if they were cattle. Yeah. If you've never seen this, and, and I actually did not take a picture of it today because that's eh, a picture that's been taken a bunch and tweeted a bunch. But if you didn't
2: when, take a picture of it, it didn't happen.
0: When you walk into well, – I, I do have one picture I'll share. Um when you walk into the main entrance, they've got the revolving doors and then the, the open glass doors on either side of the revolving door into the lobby of the Hyatt Regency. And immediately in front of you, there's kind of an atrium area, and then off to the, the left at about a, 11, o'clock on, uh, 11 o'clock on the clock. That's where the, uh, the registration desk is. Yeah, And then over at about 2 o'clock, you've got the escalators that go up to the second floor, and that's where the main media room and all the ballrooms are. In the middle of this area... They've got rope and stanchion. It's the kind that, uh, like, when you go to the airport, you've got the little little poles with the retractable deal to, like, cordon people off or create the snake line when you're going to the airport or you're at Disney World or whatever. So they have this in kind of an octagon shape that goes around the center of this atrium coming into the hotel. And when fans are here to try and get autographs or take pictures or whatever it is that they may be, they are put inside the pen we'll call it i said this on monday
2: I, I may have been off here i don't really know but it's like a petting zoo that you probably can't poop in there
0: yeah <laughs> i like how it's probably <laughs> you probably can't do it <laughs> it would be advisable not to there's security milling about but no it's, it's kind of like reverse petting zoo it's like those people are the animals and everybody else is walking by As opposed to being on the outside of the pen and looking in. Jim Halpert once suggested that on an episode of The Office. So um, on the day that Alabama comes, it is, as you would expect, the most crowded. And you have people that dress up in jerseys, and they put national championship. They dress up in a lot more than just jerseys. Ring things on their head with big sequined shirts and all kinds of stuff. I I did take one picture. I was getting on the elevator earlier today, uh, headed up to the room, and there was this girl who had absolutely had enough. So there is um, kind of a table. Yeah. On, I, mean, on, I haven't seen on, this picture. Let's yeah, it's kind of like a coffee table deal. You need to tweet that from Sports And it's got a, an area that is like hollowed out underneath it and, and you can see through on the backside. Yeah. She has climbed underneath the table, sitting down with her knees kind of pulled up to her chest and she's leaning over with her elbows folded across her knees and her head down, oh. completely sacked out. And down between her feet, there's a football presumably waiting to be autographed and a bunch of empty Chick-fil-A bags. A little media days, PTSD. Yeah, too much. Had had enough, shutting it down. Uh, So that's kind of what's happening. I'll I'll tweet that picture from uh, Sports Talk Mississippi uh, coming up in uh, just a little bit. Mississippi State here today along with Alabama, Arkansas, and South Carolina. Bulldogs still kind of going through the rotations right now, as is South Carolina, Alabama and Arkansas were here this morning to uh, to kick things off. Big picture observations from today. I thought it was interesting, Moorhead's comments about the way he came in last year to talking about championship standard and talking about, uh, you know, what's your ring size, talking to Fitzgerald about finding a spot on the mantle for, for a Heisman. Uh, and this year he said that maybe he set it up where nobody was going to accept anything but a championship as a success last season so maybe he created an unfair set of expectations for mississippi state in, in 20, 2018 for me personally i don't know if that's something you can walk back i think you know you came in and you said that this was going to be the case i don't know that you're allowed to look 365 days later and say yeah i made a mistake you can say it's my bad that we didn't get there i don't know that you can say it's my bad that we talked about having high expectations
2: did he create that cuz it seemed like the fan base did?
0: Well, I think that he sort of fed into what the fan base was saying and doing. And that he, he just sort of went with
2: it. What was his other option though, back? Actually, we're
0: not going to be that good. Well, I mean, the other option is to t- to not talk about championships. Just say, look, you know, we're going to build a, a great program here, blah blah blah. There's ways you can get around. You know, you don't have to use the term championship standard and, and talk about, you know, telling players when you get off the plane, get your, you need to know your ring size. You can just come in and say, we're going to have a great program. You know, it's like every coach, when they come into a new job, they think they've got to do something in their introductory press conference that's going to be memorable. Uh, Houston Nutt, standing on the uh, the stage in the Gertrude Ford Center, says, you know how you spell fun? W-I-N. And then he tried to do some lame version of Hotty Toddy where he didn't really know the words and couldn't figure out the cadence and all that. He was, you know, whatever. It worked out. Um, I don't remember what that moment was for uh, Hugh Freeze when he got the job at Ole Miss. I mean, it felt kind of like a revival-type sermon thing. What? Him? Yeah, I know. Joe Moorhead, though, when he came in, he was, you know, met at the airport upon landing by hundreds of Mississippi State fans and given a cowbell and he's ringing it and he's doing the right things initially. And then he starts talking about his expectations and they are for a championship program. And he made the comment about Nick Fitzgerald. He knew he had a talented quarterback, but I think he also thought he had a quarterback that was gonna be able to throw it. I don't think he ever imagined that he wasn't going to be able to coach Nick Fitzgerald into 60% completion percentage. Right. and it didn't happen. Right. Yeah, the, the rushing numbers were there, and if the passing numbers had been there with it, it might have resulted in more wins, and it also might have resulted in some postseason awards for Nick Fitzgerald, but that didn't happen. When you commit, though, to ring sizes for championship rings and making space on your mantle for a Heisman Trophy, those are quotes that stick with you. Those are quotes that live on. And I don't blame the guy for wishing that he hadn't said that because that gets thrown back in your face a little bit. Blame's not the right word. I don't blame him. I'm just... It is interesting that he tried to kind of walk that back through a year Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Well, especially when you had a team with the number one defense in all of college football. That's not an opinion. They had the number one scoring defense in college football. So halfway, they had a team that was capable of winning a championship and they still lost five games. Right. I mean, they only gave up 12 touchdowns all year, but they, they lost five games. When you say that out loud, it's incredible, right? It's really pretty incredible. Yeah. We've got a bunch to get to. We're going to visit with Joe Moorhead this afternoon. We're going to talk with Mississippi State's players who are here as well today. We've got a conversation with Jordan Rodgers. We'll talk quarterbacks in the SEC. I think you'll uh, be interested in what he had to say about Matt Corral at Ole Miss, about Tommy Stevens at Mississippi State, about some of the other quarterbacks in the league. We've got 100 teams in 100 days. Some cool random stats for you and a whole bunch more to get to this afternoon, day three of SEC Media Days. When we come back, we'll hear some of what Joe Moorhead said at the big stage when the day began. Back after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Day three of SEC Media Days. We got started on Monday of this week at Missouri, Florida, and LSU. Yesterday, Georgia, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. Today, it's Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. We will wrap things up from Hoover with you tomorrow. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Auburn are here at the Hyatt Regency at SEC Media Days. We're glad to have you along. Cross, Heydad, Rippy, Borky. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Um, let's go. Let's go to the main stage. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, main room. The main room. The big yeah. stage. Yeah. Ice room. The ice room. It's cold in there, isn't it? Very cold. Cold. It's like Ten cold. degrees colder than like the. Second it could you walk be colder, in, in my opinion.
2: I don't think it could.
0: Yeah, uh, Joe Moorhead. and this is a little bit about what we were uh, talking earlier sure I put that sentence together exactly the way I intended to. You used some words. They worked. Yeah. Uh, so Joe Moorhead speaking to the media and he was asked, I guess, about how kind of his career began a year ago in Starkville. Here's what Joe Moorhead had to say.
3: I think like anything, a year's worth of time, you learn things and, you know, you've got to be really introspective, I think, as a leader and you've got to look in the mirror and not out the window and people ask, what was the thing that you've learned the most? And probably... You know, outside of kind of learning about the team or X's and O's or or specific uh, things that relate to game performance, you know, I look back at at a year's time and really, kind of when I took the job, is uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm changing what our goals are, but the approach of coming off the plane, guns blazing, you know, uh, talking about you know ring sizes and Heisman trophies and you know what in the. um, expectation level of the team entering the season, you know, prior to me even getting there, and I and I and I think what I did with that, without knowing kind of the history and the context of how difficult it is to to win in this league and specifically Mississippi State, where there's two 10-win seasons in, in school history, and uh, you know, two two championship appearances, one in '98, and one before World War World War II in '41, and I, I think what I may have may have done is elevated the expectation level to a point where nothing that we did short of a championship was going to make people happy and and, and, I, and i wouldn't have changed the goals but i probably would have kept it a little bit more in-house because I, I i think that was on me and then you know people would you know then it became well you're underachieving you're not doing this you're not doing that where we stood here last year and we were picked to finish third in the conference We finished fourth, and if Texas A&M hadn't beat LSU, would have been third. We were picked to finish 18th in the AP poll, and our college football playoff ranking was 16. And you know, ESPN puts out the over/under stuff, and you know, it was eight and a half, and we had eight. So I I think we kind of. Doing some of those things early on may not have been fair to the guys because anything that we did may not have have been good enough. So that's one thing that I learned that, you know, I I probably should have researched a little bit more into our team, who we were and what we were capable of doing from a historical context. We started talking about ring sizes and other things like that.
0: Wow. Um, First of all, we really hate it. When coaches talk in soundbites, yeah. and they get up and they read a depth chart. He didn't do that there. That is perhaps the single most candid soundbite I have ever heard from a coach at SEC Media Days, maybe even period. I mean, that is, that's wildly revealing. It's incredibly introspective, and it's going to be taken incredibly out of context. Yeah, it's, it's going to turn into, you know, Joe Moorhead maybe doesn't believe he can win big, at, you can't win a championship at Mississippi State. And, you know, that's, I don't think that's the case for him at all. I think that, like you like said, and, and if I'm a head coach, if I'm taking over program, sort of going back to what you said, that you, you can come in and use a lot of different adjectives, but when you put the word championship out there and you start talking about players knowing their ring size and, and you know, clearing off room on the shelf for trophies, you know, you set the expectations a little higher than, you know, what you're able to deliver, especially in year one when you haven't recruited to your system yet. You know, these players are not your players. Uh, so that's, it was, a, it was going to be a difficult task either way. I thought the team was going to be better than it was. Well, I, it, I will say that. Okay, so, so let me interject here for just a second. Again, I appreciate the candor. I don't believe that. Mississippi State fans were disappointed at the end of the year with the outcome because of what Joe Moorhead said when he got off the plane. I think Mississippi State fans were disappointed with the outcome because their defense averaged about eight-tenths of a touchdown allowed per game, Yeah, and they went eight and five. And and honestly, and I think I've said this before, if State wins the bowl game – and they're 9 and 4. I don't think a lot of I don't think the word disappointment is used as much after state. You know, the way they finished the season, they they destroyed Arkansas. They really beat down Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. I think Moorhead had everybody back in line, you know, that maybe had lost early in the season for the Kentucky and Florida games. But then when you go to the the, the, the Iowa game and again your defense plays really well and that was maybe one of the worst performances all year from the offense. Um, you know, it, people just sort of, you know, they got off board with him at that point. So Honestly, to me, a lot of the disappointment in state season just stems from that bowl loss. If state had won that game, I don't know that we're having these these sort of conversations. Uh, I have a you have a much better pulse of the fan base at Mississippi State and, and what was disappointing and what wasn't. I have a hard time believing though that it's the bowl loss to Iowa in an exhibition game that creates the disappointment i think the disappointment comes from not being able to get it done against florida when dan mullen came back to your place and they didn't really score anything right and the fact that you lost a game to kentucky i agree with that there was a lot of disappointment when that happened but i think as at the end of the season a lot of that had subsided i know that when state won the egg bowl there was a mo- a lot of positive momentum for joe moorhead and it feels like you gave some of that away in that bowl game because if you win that game, you're 9-4, and four and you probably finish the season in the top 15. That is a, by Mississippi State's own standards. Which Historical is we'll standards. That's a fantastic season at Mississippi yeah. State. I mean, it puts you in like a top 10 season all time. Yeah, top five season all time. Maybe. Yeah. you know, uh, Perhaps. Um, he also talked about recruiting, and there's more candor from Joe Moorhead. <laughs>
3: I followed that up from a recruiting standpoint, you know, we finished with another top 25 class. And I think that's a tribute to our staff and our plan and the belief in our program by players, parents, coaches, you know, in our state, in our footprint and nationally. And I think, from a recruiting standpoint, I think you know we need to be a little bit unique in our approach. You know, I think Mississippi State lacks a little bit of the, of the immediate and long term kind of championship tradition that some of the teams in our conference do, and some of the bells and whistles from a facility standpoint. You know, we've gotten tremendous support from uh, you know Dr. King and Mr. Cohn and, and our administration. You know, we have new locker rooms in, in our stadium and in our. Um, in our facility. We have a new recruiting lounge, new player meeting rooms, and we're doing everything we can to, to uh, you know, upgrade those things And because I know that's important.
0: What do you think about that? Well, it's true, first and foremost, that, you know, Mississippi State does not have the recruiting profile that Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn have. They don't have the national championship trophies. They don't have the, you know, they have great, great facilities, but they're not the top-of-the-line elite facility by any stretch of the imagination. So, imagination. so yeah, Mississippi State does have to be a little different in the recruiting process of, of what they're doing and what they're, they're going after because, in all likelihood, and this is sort of the, the issue I had with the championship standard, because you get to the championship standard through recruiting. Well, if you're not recruiting top five classes, top ten classes year in and year out, which I don't know that Mississippi State can do, you're never going to get there. So, you know, yeah, State is going to have to find a way to beat teams that recruit in the top five, top ten with top 25 classes. That's Joe Moorhead's challenge. Kind of leading out an important detail as well, and I know people make fun of this, but it's true. There is uh, fewer resources in the underbelly of recruiting also with the two programs in the state compared to the Alabamas of the world. That's a real thing. I don't think the head coach of the university is going to sit here on SEC C eighty days ago. You know, my boosters just aren't shelling out the cash at the right amount. But, I mean, that's, that's sort you, of, you can lump that's sort of in that irrelevant. with what he said uh, as well. It, it, it also applies just as much as everything he said from the facilities and history and
1: all of that. That's also prevalent there.
2: Uh, hey, he, might, he might be saying
0: that without saying it. That's what it feels like to me. Maybe those are the bells and whistles. Yeah. Um, or Dodge Chargers, but it, it, bells, whistles—those are also nice. Hey, you know, bells, whistles, and bags. The, the, the fascinating thing here for me is that Joe Moorhead basically said today, and he's talking about Mississippi State, but you could, you could lump Ole Miss into this as well, what we talk about on a regular basis. And nobody wants to say this out loud because it's not fun, especially when you live in a place where in the neighboring state, You've got the most dominant program, or one of the two most dominant programs in college football, and in another neighboring state, you've got a team that's won a national championship in the last decade. And a couple of states over, you've got a Texas A&M team who's trying like heck to get to that level. And you you know, you you look around. What am I missing? Two over the
2: other way. You have basically
0: what's become the second team. Oh, Georgia. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you're surrounded. My programs that desperately want to get there and have all of the resources. So what have we always talked about? What's reasonable Yeah. at Ole Miss and at Mississippi State? Well, it's reasonable to be a bowl team every year, to expect to win about seven games every single year. Maybe there's one year out of a decade where you backslide and you have a down year. But there should be one year in the decade where you jump up and win nine or ten. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then if you just catch lightning in a bottle and you get the right combination of upperclassmen and the schedule falls just right and you catch some breaks, now you're competing to be a college football playoff team. And that's not fun to look at it that way, but that's kind of our reality. An interesting year for quarterbacks in the SEC. Got some uh, household names like Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Jake Fromm. You got some new names like Tommy Stevens and Matt Corral, and then there's some in between. So who better to talk about quarterbacks in the SEC than a former quarterback himself and an analyst on the SEC network? Here's our conversation with Jordan Rogers. More SEC Media Day, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at Supertalk.fm, Jordan Rogers from ESPN SEC Network, former Vanderbilt quarterback on your radio. So let's talk quarterbacks. This is an interesting year, I think for quarterbacks in the sec is it low-key good
1: low-key bad somewhere in between what do you think i think it's low-key good and, and here's why i think last year we had a little more top heavy talent you know and drew Locke and jarrett Sidham just just so talented throwing the football but this year we have that talent obviously from and Tua at the top are the, the headlining guys but every team outside of maybe auburn has somebody that has A, won a lot of football games somewhere, has experience, and can win them some football games. Every football team in the SEC has somebody that can win games. And I don't think we've gone into a season with the depth of talent like that in a long time. We've we've had some headlining guys at times. We've had some maybe this guy's going to be good, but we've got a lot of guys, especially adding those four transfers, they've all won football games. I mean, Ben Hicks set records at SMU. I know it's not the SEC, but he's played football. He can win them games. Kelly Bryant has won a lot of football games. He's going to be good for them. Tommy Stevens, i got to say, is a dark horse. He's extremely talented. I work the Manning Passing Academy every single year. And I was kind of like, okay, this kid transfers from Penn State. Maybe he's not quite as talented as he'd like to see out of a starting quarterback in the Big Ten. He was as talented, if not more talented, than anybody there. And he is going to be the starter, day one. And he is going to... I think give them an opportunity to be balanced on offense, actually throw the football, I think that's going to win them some more games this year. How much does it matter that he was part of Joe Moorhead's
0: system and so he doesn't have to completely learn the offense? It is absolutely huge. I mean,
1: Keaton Thompson has played good football for them. I mean, you know, he, he won them a bowl game a couple years ago against Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's a guy that can play in this league. But Tommy Stevens walks in knowing 80% of Joe Moorhead's offense. And he is not taken a team snap yet. He just got there this summer. He is already ahead of the game. There's not going to be anything that he doesn't know day one of camp, Um, and he is more talented. Um, He can throw the football. He's accurate. I think they're going to look a lot different this year, and it it has everything to do with the fact that he knows this offense walking in, because that's the biggest hurdle for quarterbacks, especially transfer quarterbacks, when they transfer in in the summer.
0: All right, so what about when you have a quarterback coming back, but there's a new offensive system? Matt Corral comes back. Really benefits from the whole, you can play in four games and still red shirt from a year ago so he played four games but now Rich Rodriguez which is
1: just a little bit different than Phil Longo well it totally is Uh, you know some of the same flavor you know they'll, they'll flip the ball around from a passing standpoint with similar concepts but there will be a lot more and this is the good thing for Matt Corral there will be a lot more running the football so they will still be up tempo they will still throw it around when they need to. But Rich Rod runs the football a lot more. In the past, you know, with the Khalil Tate, he's ran the football with his quarterback a lot more. I don't know if he'll lean on that as heavy. In the SEC, I think you want to shy away from that. But I think what I love about what Matt Luke has done, he's brought in two head coaches. I think as a as a head coach that maybe on the outside isn't the most confident, right? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Matt... Luke exudes confidence I think he's a guy's guy I think he's confident in his, in himself in a quiet sense of the way but he's brought in guys that have won at the highest level he's brought in guys that have been head coaches of big programs he is doing anything and everything he can to improve this football team on both sides of the ball so I think Rich Rod is going to be great for this offense bringing more of a ground attack because I think you have to have that in the SEC and I think that's what Ole Miss has lacked at times they've been explosive they've put up a lot of points But you got to milk the clock if you want to win football games in this league. So I think they're going to be able to do that a lot better.
0: Fair to say there's some head coaches whose ego wouldn't allow them to hire two
1: former head coaches, two national coaches of the year? 100%. I'm not even kidding. There are a lot of coaches who wouldn't do that because of their ego, because in a way they maybe feel threatened, right? I can't bring in a guy that's been a head coach, that's done it, that's been paid millions of dollars to do what I'm doing. What if I'm not successful? People are going to be looking at him to take my job over. Not the case. Matt Luke is confident in himself. He's confident in his plan. And he said, I'm a, I want to be and do anything to be successful, so I'm going to bring in guys that to allow me to do that. Jordan Rogers from the SEC Network,
0: ESPN College Football Analyst on your radio. As we continue live from SEC Media Days in Hoover, um, I'm doing this from memory, and I'm thinking back to some of those studio shows. You didn't love Joe Burrow for a lot of the year, right? And and felt like maybe became a little more impressed with him as the season went went along. Is that is that?
1: Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I think he played a lot better as the year went on. But here's what I'll say: um, it is a lot easier to play big in big games than it is to play consistent in all games and i think that's been joe burrow's achilles heel is all right say that one more time so it's a lot easier when you're talented and joe burrow is talented to play big in big games to have big moments than it is to be consistent in all games and consistent across the board for four quarters day in and day out or saturday in and saturday out so burrow to me, his biggest problem was consistency you'd have games where he would absolutely disappear and now Although he did play better towards the end of the year, top five defenses that he faced, all top 30 defenses, Alabama, uh, uh, whatever. I looked at their schedule. Whatever the (laughs) top five were that they played last year, he threw in five games, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, and had a 52% completion percentage and didn't throw over 200 yards for any of those games. So although he had, what, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions last year, against the best defenses that he played, he did not throw a single touchdown and turn the ball over. So to me, in moments in fourth quarters last year, he played good football. But he was not consistent, and he did not play winning football when LSU needed him to. LSU can roll their helmets out for six of their games every year, and I think they're the better football team. But against good competition, quarterback has been the X factor, and quarterback has held them back. So yes, I'm going to continue being critical until he performs consistently or even good, which he did not play good against the top defenses that he played. Now it's five games where he threw zero touchdowns and four interceptions. So are you anxious to see that Texas game in week two? Absolutely. I think that's going to be a good barometer for where this LSU team is. Now, it, I love the addition of Joe Brady. I love it because he studied RPOs under Joe Moorhead. He's young, man. He's, he's younger than me, so he's got a way of communicating. And I love that. And, and, and not that there's anything wrong with a coach that's older that has a ton of experience, but there is a way – that the best coaches and young coaches can communicate how to play the position. So his background with Moorhead, his background with the Saints, his background with an offense that is run by Drew Brees, who Drew is not the most talented arm in the NFL. He doesn't have a great arm, but he's successful. So coming from an offense where Joe has got a good arm, but he's not the most talented quarterback in the SEC, how do I create matchups? How do I create formations and shifts that allow me to create matchups that have the offense an advantage. This isn't going to be a wide-open RPO. I know that's what Coach O said yesterday. We're going to spread it out. Yes, they are at times. But at LSU, you still have to be physical. And I think that's what the Saints did well is Drew Brees isn't throwing RPOs every play. They're getting in formations. They're using motions and shifts to create mismatches. So that's the blend, the Moorhead and the Saints blend that Joe Brady's going to bring to this passing game. So I think Joe Burrow will be a lot better this year.
0: All right, last thing. Give me a quick thought on Felipe Franks. It felt like from what we thought of him going into the year to where he finished the year a season ago might have been the biggest step in the league. Can he take another giant
1: step forward under Dan Mullen in year two? I think he can because look at what he went through last year. He's talented for sure. I mean, he's a talented quarterback. His biggest issue has been between the ears. I think Dan Mullen is known as a quarterback guru because he can coach the psyche. He can coach the confidence into a quarterback. I think that's the biggest X factor. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are talented. There's a lot of quarterbacks that know the X's and O's, but if you don't play confident, if you don't believe in yourself, it doesn't exude and permeate to the rest of your team, you're not going to be successful. So last year, bench for Kyle Trask, open quarterback competition. Where's Emory Jones? I mean, everyone was brutal to Felipe. And I think he has learned... And he's not there yet because this is impossible to say I can turn it off completely. But I think he's learned to shut that out, to not read every single Twitter comment, to not read every single negative thing, which is hard in this day and age. Trust me. I got a big Twitter following. I got a big Instagram following. I'll post a picture. I'll notice the one negative con con uh, comment out of 500. It's hard to do. But Dan Mullen is getting him in that direction. And so I think he's going to be more confident. I think the talent is there around him. I think he's set up to have a much more successful year, knowing now he's the guy. He doesn't got to worry about Trask, he doesn't have to worry about Emery. Everybody knows he's the guy. He can play with that confidence. I think he'll be a lot better. Really good stuff. Thanks for your time. Yeah, for sure. So a deep dive
0: on some of the quarterbacks in the, uh, the SEC with Jordan Rogers. He is the color analyst on the Saturday night SEC Network primetime game. It's fascinating stuff. Hearing him talk about seeing Tommy Stevens at the Manning Passing Academy, and I think he called him uber-talented yeah. and uh, able to make all the throws, seems to be high on him. Uh, interesting thoughts about Matt Corral mixed in there as well. And I know you perked up when he started talking about Joe Burrow. It, it feels a little missouri about Joe Burrow. Yeah. A little show me. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, I'm just going to believe the hype. No, 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 Joe Burrow can easily prove me wrong. Go out there, you know, against Texas in week two and throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Or, you know, you don't even know that, 275 and two touchdowns, no picks. And I'll start buying in then. Yeah. If he goes for 275, two touchdowns through the air and doesn't turn it over. They're winning the ball game. That's easily. a pretty a owe, good I'm a stat owe line. I'm going Michael Borky a stake. Yeah. At that point. Well, I mean, you're getting ten. I'm, if either of that kind of stat line, with the either way I think they'll be able to run the football, they're going to win big. Sports Talk Mississippi, the Open Championship. The British Open begins tomorrow slash tonight, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about it coming up. Also got some uh, Mississippi State folks coming your way in the 4 o'clock hour in the Renaissance Bank studio. A little confession. I don't know it's confession, just an admission. The television in my hotel room over the last three nights has spent far more time on the golf channel than any other any other station. So going second has been coverage of the World Series of Poker. Oh, yeah. did, did you watch any of the final table of uh, World Series of Poker last night? There was someone at the, uh, the bar the other night. I was watching it just sort of yeah. in, in passing. Ensign won it. Okay. The, uh, the Italian guy didn't win? San Martino? No. That's who I was pulling for. Were you? Yeah. Kind of like the uh, other guy, Livingston. Yeah. He went from uh, chip leader to small stack in nine hands last night. That's a bucket list thing for me, to put ten grand down and go play in that one to day. To play in it or? To play in it. Yeah. You think you'd get to the final table? No. Probably not. How, how deep would you realistically advance? Uh in, in a perfect world, I could make it past the first day. That would be a great. If I made it past the first
1: day, I'd be really pleased.
0: Yeah. Hey, I promised you that we were going to uh, talk Open Championship. You probably are not sitting there waiting with bated breath for that to happen. But regardless, we're going to press pause. Yeah. And uh, we'll circle back to some uh, golf a little bit uh, later this afternoon because right now we have a large man sitting at the table across from us. We got Two. Too. Yeah, you're saying Rippy's a large man. No, nation? I'm not. I'm saying me and Daryl. I say across the table, Daryl Williams, offensive lineman, Mississippi State, joins us
4: right now. What's up, my man? What's up? You look good. Thanks. How's today, been Oh, today's been awesome. I, I, like I said, I feel like I've been in Hollywood today. <laughs> it, it does a little bit have that feeling. I kind of roll out the red carpet for most you. Almost definitely got cameras everywhere. Everybody taking pictures. I mean, I feel like I'm famous. The suit helps. Almost oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I've been getting miss about my suit all day. You should. Day.
0: All day. As a general rule, I think it's hard to do anything with maroon, but but that works on you. Oh, yeah. My dad,
4: mom, mom's picked this suit out. Did she really?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, you knew it was going to be right then. Did you get any say-so at all, or oh, she no, just said, here say you so. go? Here you go. This is suit you're going to wear. There you go. Thank I like it. Uh, tell us about today.
4: Uh, today was awesome, man. I got, got the chance to meet a lot of a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces. I mean, opportunity to, uh, to showcase a lot of my guys' uh, faces and names and stuff like that. I feel like it was a very, very humble experience for me. I'm sure there are other questions that I should
0: ask about the offensive line, but a lot of times offensive linemen get quarterback questions. Uh-huh. So kind of going through this offseason, uh, no KTs coming back, uh, but also Tommy Stevens coming in, those guys battling for that starting job. Uh, how's, how's this thing looking or how's it going to look as we get into fall camp?
4: Uh, I'm, I'm, I you, your, your question is good as mine. I'm still looking forward <laughs> to seeing those guys uh, <laughs> perform in camp. But like I said, those guys this summer have been working their tails off. To uh, make sure they uh, to make sure we're ready to uh, ball out come uh, fall.
0: You know, you're making the move, Nick, this year from guard to center. The guy before you did that as well, Elton Jenkins, did he
4: give you any advice? Oh, man, I talk to Elton Jenkins all the time. I mean, he always gives me advice on what to call or what not to call. and I mean, make sure that I communicate better this year than I did last year. I'm just, I'm just thankful for Elton and, his, uh, and Also, Dion Calhoun, the guy that also helped me a lot. So I'm just thankful for those guys.
0: Darren, what's the challenge of being in the middle of that offensive line? People call the center the quarterback of the offensive line because you've got to make all of those calls.
4: Uh, it is a challenge. I mean, I got to make sure my quarterback stays protected. I got to make sure my old line slide the right way. I got to make sure I make ID calls. Communication is the key to uh, to being a center. So I got to make sure I, I got to be a vocal leader at that spot. So I feel like that's a very, very, a very challenging uh, experience.
0: We talk expectations all the time. Everybody's got to going into a, into a new season. Talk to me about players' expectations for this year's team as you roll into twenty
4: nineteen. Uh, I my mean, expectation is to win. I mean, every, every player's expectation is to win multiple games. I mean, we want, we want to be a, ch- a team to compete for the A C championship every year. I mean, I think I think once we c- worry about the team goals first, then individual goals will come. Like I said, I, I'm a firm believer in little things, and once the little things do the little things, big things will come.
0: All right, so if you hit some of those team goals... What are your individual goals? Hey, Dad just mentioned a second ago making that position change. Does it, does it have to do with how you grade out at games? Does it have to do with trophies that recognize positions or being on an All-SEC team?
4: Uh, I mean, all those things are nice, but I'm I'm, I'm a guy I I like I, I like, like pin my team first. But like I want to win I want to win the Rimto the Award. I want to win that award. I mean, it's an it's a award that I have that I have been eyeing for a long time. I, I want to win the Joe Moore Award as well, given to the best offensive line group in the country. So I'm looking forward to trying to compete for those awards.
0: Those, those awards don't have the same, uh, they don't get the same attention as the Heisman Trophy, for mm-hmm. example. That Remington Award would look good of your man. Now, your mom picked out your suit. she mm-hmm. take the trophy and put it she, at the house.
4: She probably would. <laughs> <laughs> and, and would be proud, proud to show it oh, off, she right? she would, she would. I, I, I can't give my mom no credit. I mean, a woman that has done so much for me, and a woman that has worked her tail off to put me in the position I am today. Tell me more about your mom. Oh, man, she's a, a, work, a workhorse. I mean, a woman that, that, that took her brother in when my mom passed to take care of four kids. I mean, it was just I'm just thankful for that woman. She's a she's a, 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 a lady that always put me first and and not put herself and not put herself first, right, but she always put her kids first. So I'm just thankful. for her. Well,
0: that's a really cool tribute and a nice way to wrap up this day. Congratulations on being here. Thanks. Certainly an honor to be here. And all the best this season. All right, thank you. Darrell Williams, offensive lineman for Mississippi State. He's going to be the anchor of that offensive line in the middle. Almost oh, definitely. Snapping it. <laughs> Snapping it. We'll take a timeout. Come back with a 4 o'clock hour with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. It's okay, uh, this reminds me of something. So, so the conversation that we've had about the best lines of yeah. songs. Yeah, it's opening line. Opening line of a song. All right. I put out this as a Gin Soak Barroom Queen in Memphis, Yeah, and uh, you went a different route. I did. I went Led Zeppelin. Quote it. Oh, hey, hey, mama said the way you move is going to make you sweat, going to make you groove. So I was explaining this to my wife, and she goes, Richard, there are a lot of songs out there. Are you sure that that's um, That's your number one? That's the way to go. I said, well, I think it's pretty darn good. Uh Uh-huh. And she said, well, nothing from Broadway or whatever else. At which point she would have lost you. Yeah, I'm out. However. We've
2: already been over this. We're not play guys.
0: Yeah, I understand that. But tell me a song that has a better opening set of lyrics than... How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore, and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean and by providence impoverished and squalor grow up to be a hero and a scholar? I don't think you can say two of the words you just I said. I think I just did. I'm pretty sure that we, we're going to get a fine. That's fine. Whatever. Do you not like that? Hey, it's all right. I need to hear the song. You can't just say it. I got It's a song. I'll I play hear- it for you on the way to dinner today. Okay, I'll listen to it then. See what you think. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with the words that I said either. Okay. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming line, uh, streaming online at supertalk.fm is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for a little over 100 years. If you are a farmer and you need a, uh, a loan for equipment, buying a new piece of property, refinancing an existing loan, or maybe you need a production loan, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Or if you're just an individual in search of recreational property, or maybe you're going to build a dream house in the country. All of those things in the wheelhouse of Mississippi Land Bank. They've got branch locations all across North Mississippi. I promise you, you will not regret dealing with the really good, fine folks at Mississippi Landbank. Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Uh, I mentioned Open Championship just a second ago. Forky, it starts, uh, are, okay, so Thursday is when golf tournaments begin, but when they're seven or eight hours ahead of us, that means they start at like, oh, about midnight central time on Wednesday night. Will you stay up tonight to watch the opening shots of the british open from royal port rush in port rush northern ireland yeah i'm definitely going to stay up it's something that i do every year and the best naps that i've ever taken in my life or the wake up at 3 4 a.m on the weekends to watch the start of the weekend rounds and then take a nap and then wake up in time for the leaders to tee off it's an all-time yeah. good sports nap yeah that's a pretty good call that is a pretty good call who do you like to win Oh, gosh, that's a really good question, right? Um, generally, you have to lean British guys, but even though his game doesn't exactly match this, is betting against Brooke, Brooks Kepka in a major an exercise in futility right now? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean... In terms of odds, he's got the second best odds. Rory McElroy, who is from Northern Ireland, plus eight fifty. He,
2: he shot like sixty-two. There's a
0: sixteen-year-old. Yeah, those are uh, those are the best odds that are out there. Sports Talk Mississippi live at SEC Media Days, and joined right now by Mississippi State tight end Farad Green, who has kind of made his way through the circuit upstairs. You got a big smile on your face. What's yes, up, man?
5: Sir, man? I'm my best friend today, man. That's right. We have mended
0: our fences, and now. Farad Green and I are a team. We were unstoppable.
5: Yeah, a lot of confusion.
0: What? Wait, we, got, we got that Tell open. me more. Okay, so my old podcast, that devious Bob Carskadden, started a rumor that I did not like Farad Green. Yeah. that it, He used the word hate. I don't hate anybody. Okay. I certainly don't hate Farad Green.
5: A lot of confusion going So today...
0: On I had the opportunity i, I spoke to fraud we have mended the fences okay want to say now, now. H- had, had word gotten to you yeah kind of that, got that hey dad the... didn't like it you. became a social media phenomenon it was yeah a social media phenomenon so like
5: every mississippi state fan was like this guy hates you like that's like, all i see in my mentions when really? i do check it yeah
0: yeah so but we got that we got all, we got all the air cleared now it's clear if you'd have beat him up i'd have helped <laughs> yeah, that would have that would have been. He uh, wouldn't have needed your help. I'm pretty sure on that. i will just uh, go ahead and tell yeah, you. you. You've been forgiving. That that's impressive. It might have been an even better story if you hadn't been. If you had said, "No, get out of my face, man!" Uh, no, you man push him
5: back. No, get, you create some separation here. Life's, nah. life's too short, man. Exactly.
0: There you go. So we're all. We're I think like it was man. all a spoof anyway. No, it it was not a work. I promise. No, I'm saying it was a spoof that you didn't like him in the first. Oh no, place. I know. I never did not, not like him. I don't know. I don't know if don't know that the grammar on that is right or not, but. Farad, uh, what has today been
5: like? It's been a cool experience, uh, fun. I'm, I'm, uh, it's an honor to be up here with these two great captains of our team and our head coach.
0: Daryl and I were talking about it a second ago, and I said, I, I used the word that you just used, honor, to yeah. uh, to have your head coach say, hey, I want you to come to this event. There are a thousand media members here, and I want you to represent our school for this day. Yeah. You, you kind of looked at it like, that way?
5: Uh, for sure. Uh, being a senior guy, uh, Pulling this leadership role, and also being from, from, being from Mississippi. So coming here and, like, some, uh, put on for my home state, that's, that's huge. What are the goals for you
0: individually? We'll talk team goals in a second, but yes. I'm talking about you as a tight end in this offense. What, what are your expectations for yourself?
5: Just going into every Saturday, man, put my all on the line for my university and my team and um, win a few awards. I want to uh, show people what I can do. Okay. Uh, what can you do? I feel like I can do it all, and that's from the bottom of my heart. I feel like I can, uh, I'm one of the best tight ends in the country, and I'm ready to show people what I can do. Where are you more comfortable with,
0: uh, you know, because when we talk tight ends in, in college football, sometimes it means hand in the dirt. you got to block a guy. Sometimes it's hand in the dirt, and you block a guy, and then release for a round. And sometimes it means splitting out a little bit wider. You're, you're starting
5: upright. Are you most comfortable hand on the ground, upright, I'm actually not. I'm more comfortable being still a wide receiver. Okay. But that hasn't been shown yet, and, and it will be sooner than later. Okay. but uh, A little breaking news right there, I was isn't kind of, it? Yeah, I was kind of uh, forced. I wasn't forced, but I had to do what I had to do to get on the field and sure. be that physical guy and whatever my – my coaches wanted me to do that's what I do
0: in the long run can that help you if if you're more comfortable split out yeah but you had to to in your words in order to get on the field figure out how to be a more physical tight end in the long run can that be
5: beneficial for you most definitely because most guys don't want to most guys don't want to uh do the dirty work and that's something I I take pride in so yeah that's something I, I, I cherish you know, Coach Moret
0: had us in recently to, to showed us some of the playbook. And yeah, I heard it, I heard it. And
5: there's a lot of opportunities And
0: just a little bit that we got to see for tight ends. Yeah. And then what he called the fab package and, yeah. and some of that other stuff. Is that, you know, how big a role can not only you but the other guys at that position play for Mississippi State this Man,
5: year? Man, a lot is going to be asked of us. And I think we're ready for the challenge. And um, I'm excited for the most part. What tight ends do you look at and go, mm, that's kind of how I want to play? Uh, there's a couple um jordan reed for the redskins okay. uh, eric ebron of the colts and travis kelce and also my former teammate jordan thomas I-, I like him a lot yeah you're not quite as big as jordan though are oh, you no nah, no nah. hmm. we bring some differences there's pretty, not a
0: lot of tight ends or yeah, anybody that, big as him. Yeah. it's pretty remarkable though to watch him blossom at, at his size grow into what he yeah. has become oh he's a weapon yeah he's so, a weapon. It, it, it's really fascinating well, this year, you know, we're talking about the passing game. Mm-hmm. You know, Stephen Gidry another year. Osiris Mitchell had a big sophomore year. Let's see what he does. And then, what is Isaiah Zuber going to bring to this team? Man,
5: that, that kid's nice. We've had a few uh, seven on sevens and uh, individual drills together. He's going to bring some nice things to our team. What do what, you, you think with him? And with Kylan Hill maybe being a bigger role this year, whoever is at quarterback, that this can be a more explosive offense and look more like what Joe Moorhead wants it to look like? This, this is about to be my fifth year here. I think this might be the most explosive offense that I've been around because we have so many weapons and everybody brings something different to the table. Like There are so many guys. Tell me a little more about Kylan Hill. <laughs> a monster. Yeah, I just seen on Twitter he got nominated for the uh the run uh the running back of the year award. Yeah, seems like he I, deserves it, doesn't it? Yeah. I th- I think he's gonna show people what he can do this year. Think uh think you feed it to him? Oh yeah, we're gonna be most definitely balanced, but one thing about Colin, he can run routes also, he can get in the passing game also. And I don't think most bats can do that. Yeah. So that's something different about him.
0: Certainly that uh that, that makes it more impressive when you when you talk about diversity of skills. Yeah. Um obviously one of the, the topics of this offseason is quarterback and, yeah. and who it's going to be. Uh, obviously, Keaton has been around for a while. Tommy Stevens comes in. You mentioned some 7-on-7 seven seven mm-hmm. and, and I know you've been catching balls from those guys. Kind of contrast the two of them. Uh, you know how, how are they different? Where do they excel? Uh, I, mean, and I, I don't want to get you in trouble here. I, I'm not asking I know, you to for, pick a starter or anything
5: like that. Um, they both bring leadership qualities. Um, we haven't been around Tommy that long, but we know what he's bringing to the table. And he's a, both of those guys are great leaders. Uh, Keaton, I mean, I'm comfortable both of, them being, both of those guys being on the field at the same time. Yeah. Um, I think they're uplifting our team because both of those guys, I mean, it's always good having two quarterbacks that can uh, take over at games. So I'm excited to see what they do this fall. Farad, we're looking forward to watching you on the field as well. Look Thank forward you. to a, a great season. Thanks for
0: stopping by. Thanks for having me on. Rod Green, tight end, Mississippi State. Sports Talk Mississippi will continue with you from SEC Media Days after this.
6: Two
0: of three, we have talked with Darrell Williams, the center for Mississippi State this year. Farad Green, tight end. I'm really looking forward to the next guy who's going to join us, uh, not right now, but uh, in just a couple of minutes, and that is Errol Thompson, tackling machine. His bulldozer in there. Yeah, um, is he a prototypical middle linebacker? A little small for that. He's maybe a little smaller than that, but you know he can be. He could be maybe, and he's not like a London Fletcher. If you said undersized middle linebacker, that's sort of our Sam Mills, like the first guy I think of. He's a sort of a tweener, but man, does he have a nose for the football? Good in coverage too. Really, really good. Hey, Borky, I know you had the clips from Joe Moorhead, and we're going to talk to him for the college football fix in the 5 o'clock hour, but let's go back and hear a couple of other things that uh, that Moorhead said when he was at the table earlier today. We talked about uh, his statement that was just wildly interesting uh, with regard to kind of the expectations that he set coming in. We also talked uh, a little bit about what he said with regard to, uh, to recruiting, but as you would expect, he was asked about the quarterback position and specifically about Tommy Stevens. Let's hear what Joe Moorhead said earlier today about that.
3: Yeah, obviously, you know, I've been exposed to Tommy and coaching for two years at Penn State. And I think he or any quarterback that we coach or bring into our system, uh, we want the um, – quarterback to be able to beat you with his his brain his, his arm and his legs and I think Tommy is a, a kid with a lot of physical tools strong arm he can really run uh you know he's he's accustomed to the system so he's going to understand it you know for the most part coming in and uh you know I think he brings a you know a lot of talent to the position and I think the uh the competition is going to be an exciting one and It's going to make the position better it's going to make our offense better and it's going to make
0: our team better what's the competition going to be like you know, in, in honesty, I think that feel like you, know, you said about being can having candor and being honest and open. That may have been more coach speak, because I don't know how much competition there's really going to be. I think Tommy Stevens is coming to be the starting quarterback at Mississippi State, and any talk of competition and position battles, this, that, and the other, to me, it is not disingenuous. But I, unless I don't, I think Tommy Stevens, he, I don't know that he can. I don't know that Keithon Thompson can win the job. I think it's only that Tommy Stevens could lose it if he came in. Well, I was going to. What's the next?
2: Go ahead. I understand it. Like naturally the next question would be how long is his leash if he doesn't start
0: out well. That's I mean, that's a good question. You know, I think they're gonna have some with with Thompson there, you know, I think it'll be a little different situation than it was last year with Fitzgerald. They gave Fitzgerald a lot of leash and they never pulled the trigger. So the the real question to me is this, you know, what happens if the first guy they call if Stevens, you know, doesn't make it? What if the first number called is Jalen Maiden? What if it's not Keaton Thompson? I asked Joe Moorhead about Keaton possibly red-shirting, you know, if he doesn't win the competition. He said they haven't had that discussion yet. But I I don't know, you know. I don't know how long the leash is going to be on that. Yeah. Um, I I was just thinking about what you were saying with regard to to Tommy Stevens. And I kind of agree with you. I guess I'm I'm coming at the the same thing but from a different angle in that even if Joe Moorhead believes – that Tommy Stevens is going to win the competition or expects Tommy Stevens to win the competition, that doesn't necessarily mean that today Tommy Stevens is going to be the starting quarterback. Right. I mean, if, and I've said that talked with about Mississippi State with some other folks as we've kind of done some interviews around here today. And said, you know, if, if, if Keaton Thompson comes in and he's making plays with his feet, and he's completing passes and scrimmages at a 60, 62, 63% clip, and it feels like he's got a better grasp of the offense, then regardless of what you think going in, he will earn it, and his teammates will tell you yeah. that he's earned it. Yeah, it's, it's all going to be about who does better in practice. I, I, like I said, I don't think that Joe Moorhead just told Tommy, Tommy Stevens, transfer, and you're starting quarterback. I mean, he told him there's going to be competition. There's going to be a position battle there.
2: It reminds me of the Chad Kelly-Buchanan thing. A little bit. A little bit. Because we've had this discussion before, and I don't think Borky necessarily agreed with me in terms of, like, how close it was. But I think it's one of those things where they hadn't seen Chad Kelly do it at the Division One level. He hadn't really seen Tommy Stevens do it at the Division One level. You know who probably has a higher ceiling and higher talent, but you kind of know what you have in the older guy. Right. In the Not the older guy, but the, the guy that's been there and you're just kind of waiting for him to solidify himself and take it, Kelly and Stevens kind of being the, somewhere. The
0: difference is Moorhead should know what he has with Tommy Stevens because he coached him for two years, whereas Kelly was coming into yeah, the Ole Miss not, system. Yeah, definitely not perfectly not the same. Not the same system, yeah. So, and, and, you know, Hugh Freeze had already he built up a lot of goodwill and capital at Ole Miss at that point. He had a couple of good seasons in a row, whereas Moorhead, like we talked about earlier, you know, sort of maybe needs to win back a small portion of the fan base or maybe a bigger portion. I don't really know. But, you know he he's got to do more winning in year two than he did in year one.
2: Um, with the lesser talented team,
0: you uh, think? welcome to the SEC, son. Who's good? I
2: yeah. was I was asking I was asking him to, like
0: I mean I, I think you know he maybe not uh, they won eight games last year. Well, you tell me they've got to win the, nine. The winning the record might be the same, but don't give up. Don't lose four games where you only score thirteen points. So and you're saying it needs to look different. It needs yeah. to feel different. Feel better in feel better in losses. If you lose to LSU 28-21, okay. you're But let's okay. rewind to something that you said earlier today. Yeah. About the built-up expectations. And you said if they win the bowl game and they get to nine, yeah. then everybody feels completely different. Right. But you also pointed out that that would be a top-five all-time season at Mississippi State. Right. But if State can win eight games this year, yep. I think that they, you know, which is reasonable But hey dad It's not a bad season If they go 7-5 and five. No no it, It's not for me anyway Now there might be Some people who are disappointed But If this team were to lose To Alabama, LSU, A&M, Auburn And maybe to Tennessee On the road I'm, I'm not going to sit there And say this was A disappointing season That's, I mean it's tough to win Three of those were road games And then you play Two of the top ten teams In the country at home
2: So you're saying The fan base If you go 7-5 and will feel like it's still Wandering in the middle ground
0: That might be the case Not unfair No but again, if we, it feels like we have a conversation and we all agree that okay, this is reality for Mississippi State. It's reality for Ole Miss, and it's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Except everybody gets bored with it, and so then it's got to move forward. So again, if it's wandering in the middle ground, yeah. wandering in the wilderness at seven wins a season, that's good. Yeah, wandering Which, in the wilderness—a Hugh Freeze term, right? Is it? I'll take y'all's word for it. I mean, I think Moses also used that term, I think, it, I think, it's, term, just, I think it's just that you thought last year was – we talked about there should be that one step-up year. You thought that last year was going to be it. It didn't happen. So now you're sort of building back to that. Um, Errol Thompson is going to join us, but we're not going to start it right this minute because we've only got two minutes left in this segment, and i got more than two minutes' worth of questions. Can you hang with us for a minute? Awesome. Yeah, can't Ooh. wait to talk to this guy. He's the man. Absolutely, and expected to be the anchor in my, the middle of that defense. My all SEC as well. ballot went through. He was the uh, first linebacker that I picked. There you go. Uh, part of a uh, pretty impressive group of linebackers yeah. in the SEC when you look at them across the board, as well. And at Mississippi State. Oh, oh, okay. So, just just finishing that. Yeah. If last year was the step up year, is the concern if you missed that opportunity? to get to nine or ten, mm-hmm. and then you fall back to seven, right. that you're going into an extended period of six, seven, eight. You could you could make a case that – Five, they, six, seven, eight, that, right, that, yeah, yeah. whatever. Well, that's the thing that you said. You, you, you have to have that one year where you step, maybe take a step back to six or five. You know, is that year coming? I don't think that's coming this year, and I don't know that it's coming at all, but I, I could understand why people might be concerned. Because you play in the SEC, man. you know It's, not, it's never going to get any easier. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can text us on the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. If you would like to um, – if you got a question that you would like us to ask, Errol Thompson, then uh, feel free. You can uh, you can shoot that to us on the C Spire text line, and we'll, uh, we'll pass it along here in uh, in just a few minutes joe moorhead's going to join us in the five o'clock hour as well this afternoon we're also going to hear from borky who else are we hearing from is it matt Stenchcomb that we're going to talk with yeah we got matt stenchcom coming up there you go that'll be in the five o'clock hour as well we got a bunch to get to we got to give you the pearl resort uh pearl river resort pick of the day how'd you like that one yesterday worked out just fine for me the uh the west coast g-men in baseball they're winning right now too I don't care. It will about only that. be two games under 500 I, if this I, happens. I don't care what they're doing right now. I, I listen to your Yankees talk that I picked them yesterday and they won. Borky, it's only one loss for me so far, right? Yeah, yeah, just in, one in like the week and a half fourth of picks. Perhaps a national publication should give you a uh, oh, scambling gambling it. podcast. Eh, stop it! No, no, no. This is just having a little bit of fun, and I'll be honest, it's been fun for me because I am every single night. I'm like I'm aware of what I picked. And so I'm going to my score app, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, come on. That one was, was a little sweat last night as the uh, Giants yeah. were up 4-1 to one in the ninth. bottom of the night. They, they give up three runs. It's tied four. They go to the 10th, and they put four on the uh, on the board. Uh C-Spire text line, 601-879-4395. This is it's predictable. I'm, I'm not angry, but it's a very predictable text. The way you all talk, Ole Miss and Mississippi State fans should just be happy to be allowed to play in the SEC. That We shouldn't want we more go. than that. There we go. No, no, that's not what I said. Now, if that's what you want to hear, then you're welcome to. That that's fine. And if that's how you want to take it, that's fine. But that's not what we said that guy's at all. Passion beats stick to sports guy and move on guy, though. Yeah, I do. I do appreciate that. At least there's not a uh, stick to sports. Or maybe it's the same person. If I scroll back. Maybe it is stick to sports guy. Uh, more coming up with you. Errol Thompson joins us when we come back to SEC Media Days in Hoover. Day three of SEC Media Days in Hoover, Alabama. We are at the Hyatt Regency. Normally our guests join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. You can check out favorites.com and go with the home team. No phone lines this week. We've got folks sitting right down here with us, including right now Errol Thompson, linebacker for Mississippi State. 87 tackles a year ago, second on the team Behind Jonathan Abram, who had 99 and expected to be an anchor on that Mississippi State defense this year. What's up, my man? What's up?
6: How you doing? Good to see you. You look good. Appreciate it. With the the bow tie route. I don't look.
0: Did
6: you tie it yourself? I didn't actually. Uh, One of my coaches tied it. You're gonna learn to tie a bow tie. Uh, yeah, if I want to keep wearing them, I'm going to have to. <laughs> what what went into the, the outfit, the bow tie decision versus a regular tie? Really just wanted to do something different, you know, step outside my comfort zone a little bit. You, you know. feeling good about it? Uh, yeah, so, so I'm about half and half. So yeah. you're going back to a regular tie next time? Probably so. There you Probably go. Probably so. <laughs> Give me a
0: – you know, this defense to me is, is, is kind of interesting because you get three guys from a year ago that are now going to be playing on Sundays. Right. But the expectation is defense isn't supposed to fall off a whole lot. That's what people want to see. Mm-hmm. So how do you avoid a
6: fall off this year? Even though you've got guys that were obviously huge contributors gone. Right, like you said, losing three three guys to the first round. Uh, it's, it's never hard. You really can't compl- replace first round talent. But it just all comes with preparation. Um, if we want to be a great defense and you know not have any fall offs from last year, you got to prepare harder than we did last year. So.
0: We talk about this linebacking core—you, Leo Lewis, and Willie Gay. I mean, not a lot of games played, a lot of experience. Right. You know, I think they're going to look for you guys to sort of lead the defense, especially while they're trying to figure out what's going on at defensive tackle. How important is—is is it going to be for you guys to not only lead by example but lead with your play? Uh, those first few games, especially,
6: uh, very important. Uh, you know, linebackers have to be, you know, leaders anyway. But in uh, this defense, like you said, just figuring everything out. From, you know, we've we've got a lot of football under our belt. Me, Leo, and uh, Willie, even Tim Washington, has played a lot of a lot of a lot of football as well. So, with our experience, you know, we should be the leaders. So, Harold, we were talking about it a little while earlier today. You guys gave up 12 touchdowns last year for the entire season. <laughs> That's just stupid. Yeah, right. It's it's pretty. It's, it's a great accomplishment. It's, it's hard, but it's a great accomplishment. It,
0: it, it certainly is a great accomplishment, and I'm curious, was there a point along the way in, in the season where you guys look up at you, people aren't scoring on us, and, and that becomes kind of a rallying cry for the defense? Right,
6: yeah, uh, yes, sir. Um, it's something we kind of look to uh, You know, midway through the season. We're like, man, no one's really scoring on us, so we... We took that and we try to score on defense, you know. If they're not going to score on us, we, we want to score on them on defense. So it's something we try to do.
0: I think when people look at you, they, they see a linebacker and say, okay, he's going to play downhill, he's going to go after the, the running back. I want to take you back to a play at Kansas State mm-hmm. where you basically parallel to the ground. Making an interception. You know. <laughs> how, how much pride do you take in, in pass defense and in coverage?
6: Uh, Very much pride, um, 100%. You know, because like you said, people look at me as, you know, they might see me and just think I'm just a downhill guy. So, you know, I, I want to be versatile. In this league, you got to be versatile. In college football these days, teams want to spread you out. So you got to be more than just a, a one, one asset. Heaven,
5: guy. All right,
0: I'm going to look at your numbers from last year. Let's play the over under game.
6: Okay, I, these,
0: these were the numbers you had last year. I'm going to give you a new number and you tell me whether it's over or under. Individual stuff. I know it's all about team stuff. Right. So you had 87 tackles this year, 99 for number of tackles this year. Over that or under that? Over that. So you can go to triple digits, over that. which nobody on the team did last year. Right. Abram only had 99. All right, so we're going over that. Yeah, over that. All right, three and a half sacks last year. Uh, let's say six this year. Over or under six? I say over. Now now you gotta take, gotta take into account what what the scheme is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. Okay, so over six. Uh, tackles for loss. Uh, five and a half last year.
6: Let's put that at nine this year. <clears throat> I'll say over because we don't have – My man Jeffrey. just said, I am first-team all-SEC defense. I'll say, I'll say over. We don't have – I mean, Jeffrey Simmons and Montez, they probably had like 50 tackles for well, the I'm saying, he's going to He's
0: going to end up – you know, some of those sacks that's, that sweat and, and, uh, and Simmons just ate up, he's going to have to come get we them. We
6: lost two first-round guys. Come on now. See, Simmons had 15. Well, uh, then,
0: that, that begs the 15 question then. Lee the, Autry and Kobe, and Kobe Jones and Chauncey Rivers, can right. they provide the same kind of you – know, you're never going to replace a Jeffrey Simmons. Right. This guy's a freak athlete. Montez right. Sweat, the same. But can they can be as productive.
6: No, no doubt. You look at guys like Lee Autry, like you said, Chauncey Rivers, Kobe Jones, uh, Fletcher Adams, you know, all great pass rushers, all great football players, you know what I mean? So, But they're not uh, Jeffrey Simmons or Montez Sweat, so that's different. All right, one more for you. You had two interceptions a year ago. I'm
0: going to leave that number exactly the same, over or under two interceptions. Definitely over on that. Okay. Definitely I mean, hey, let, let, Now let's walk through what we just did. We just went. 100-plus tackles, correct. more than six sacks, right. more than nine tackles for loss, and more than two interceptions. Right. That makes you first-team All-SEC linebacker. I'll make a
6: prediction. Here. Sure. I'll Congratulations. Make a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> now show it to me. No, I got to. Here, here's, here's
0: a prediction. If he has that stat line, I will talk to him at Pro Day next year when he declares for the NFL draft. No, that's, <laughs> that's probably true uh, as well. Um, tell me something about yourself that most people don't know. You got anything, any interesting talent? You play any musical instruments? You speak a foreign language? Nah, nothing
6: really off top. You, you juggle? A red ride red... a unicycle? <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I knew how to sing. That's one thing I wish I could do. Yeah? Because if you can sing. You... Can anybody on the team sing? We got a couple guys that can sing, actually. Yep. Tell uh, us. Willie Gay can sing. He's like a low-key singer, though. Um, Tyree Phillips, he can sing. Stuart Reese. Can sing. He's probably the best singer on the team. Really? Uh, yeah. Everybody tries to sing, but yeah. Stu is probably the best, honestly. You a dancer? Any good dancers on the team? Or no? Me? I mean, are you? No, I'm not. I don't do the dance. Thing. Not I'm a dancer? A little, I'm a little too stiff for that.
0: What do you do? What's the, the when you get a little bit of downtime? And I know you guys don't have a ton of downtime, all right, all right.
6: but when you get a little bit of a break, what's what's your go-to relaxing activity? Um, other than just hanging out with the guys, probably just playing Madden, you know, online. Yes. Okay. Against the guy. So, video games. Right? Are,
0: are outdoorsmen
6: at all? I mean, you're from North Alabama. I mean, that's kind of like being from North Mississippi. Are you <laughs> hunt, fish? No, no, no. rock I tr- climb? I try to fish a little bit, but I'm I'm terrible. So if anybody has some tips for me or, or something like that, it can help. So. You need better
0: bait. JT
6: had somebody okay. on yesterday Sweet. with handcrafted lures. Is. We need to get him some. <laughs> there you go.
0: Uh, I don't think we can do that. I think a- after his NCAA playing days virus. are over, we will get okay. you some lures. Sweet. My, my Sweet. six-year-old <laughs> son wants to know the same thing. He's like, what can I do to catch some fish Dad. <laughs> Sorry, <I'm> not <laughs> all that much help. <laughs> hey, Earl, we re- really appreciate you stopping yes, by, man. It's great to visit with yes, you. Uh, really appreciate your personality and being open with us. We you all the best yes sir thank you so much you pull those numbers off it's first
6: team all sec okay sweet I like I, i'm holding myself to it yeah yeah good for you good yes, luck sir. this season yes, sir thank
0: errol you. errol thompson linebacker at mississippi state that was fun uh fun conversation and and we played the over-under game with him i mean think about those numbers though that we threw out so i said the. you like to give big remember last year you set montez sweat up with 25 and a half sacks you Remember. It wasn't that big. 25? You said about twenty. No, it wasn't that many. You, you had him breaking, you know, Reggie White. No, records. I didn't. No, it, it was, was in the twenties. It was like it was like twenty or twenty-one. Oh, I'm sorry, I was four and a half sacks off. Oh, four bad. and a half sacks. I mean, how many guys had four and a half sacks on the team a year ago? I'm just saying. Like four guys. Period. Four and a half's a lot. Yeah. Think about those numbers though they would be big if he you know? goes over a hundred tackles mm-hmm. over nine uh over six sacks yeah. over nine tfls and over two interceptions there's no question that's a first team all sec that's linebacker. probably a first team all-american linebacker. it probably is and like i said that's a guy who will be on his way to the nfl but but definitely. hey dad when when you think big picture about linebackers in the sec mm-hmm. th- these are the guys that we're talking about yeah. that are also in that conversation Dylan Moses from Alabama. Had him Jacob, on my Jacob Phillips. Yeah. Anthony Jennings. Yeah. Uh, TJ Brunson at South Carolina. Dejon yeah. Harris at Arkansas. Great players. Uh, Cash Daniel at Kentucky. Momo Sinogo's in that conversation. He, he was 112 tackles, tackles yeah. a year ago for Ole Miss. I was literally just trying to look that up. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, no, I had dug on that one a couple of times because I keep going back to how many did he have? I knew it was over 100. Did um, that lead the team? Yes, by a significant number. There's a lot of great linebackers in the SEC. I don't feel I don't feel out of place saying I think Errol Thompson can be one of the best of them. Is if it not weird defense. not seeing a Georgia linebacker kind of in that yeah, first they, second but, team but that, group? You say that, but that's because we're in preseason. Somebody from that defense will step up. Yeah, but you've just gotten so used. to Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know they had they had those guys for so Horses. long. Horses. Yeah, in that uh, that Georgia defense. On my ballot of the six linebackers I had to pick, I picked three from Alabama. So that will give you some ideas. You have Dylan Moses and Moses Anthony Jennings and Terrell and- Lewis. Who are the like other three? Harold Thompson, uh, Kayla Von Chason from LSU. I think when he's back and healthy, he's going to be a monster. And uh, Willie Gay is my my second team was on my second team. So doesn't does the fall in him. top six for you. It was between him and Gay. I think it's and you be, wear maroon underwear, so why not? You know, I was going to give a reasonable Tough league though. <laughs> give a reasonable explanation. I, still, I don't. I don't think the Ole Miss defense is going to be very good, so he'll pile up a lot of numbers. But I, don't, I think it'll be Gabe has bigger plays. Yeah, maybe so. He uh, kind of became plus. A it's a Ole movie. Miss. I'm not voting for them. Durr. I mean Willie Gay had 48 tackles last year, and Sonogo had 112. But by all means, well, who was on the field more? Like, Clip. in terms of total plays. Well, clearly, defense. Yeah, exactly.
2: Sunogo had 112 tackles last year. Now, I'm not proving a point. I was just. You said by a large margin. Mm-hmm. The second most was 79.
0: That's a That's pretty good. Yeah. And it was a safety. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We are glad to be with you. Going to have Joe Moorhead coming up a little bit later in the show today. We will uh, either – us tell you what, we got some, some – yeah, let's do 100 teams in 100 days. This one will be fun, 100 teams in 100 days, when we come back to wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Wednesday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Michael Borky, let's keep counting them down. Let's do 100 teams in 100 days.
3: This day is bananas, E-A-N-A-N-A-S.
1: This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Cutdown. Okay,
0: ready? Three, two, one, go. It's the final countdown. Team number 45 on the countdown. Let's go to Tobacco Road the North Carolina Tar Heels. He wrote the fight song. It's peppy. That's like a four. That's a, solid fight song. Yeah, that's a very solid fight song. Definitely not the worst we've heard, but you we go, will have some you go better four? ones. Yeah, four is probably a little low because you can bob your head to it. That's a rookie score, Borky, 3.8. <laughs> Come on, Borky. <laughs> Got to do one... the decibel system in there. Yeah, Borky, <laughs> well, one, uh, one note, you know the rules. Ha, ha, ha. You like that reference? Yeah, that was good. all right, I'm going to let you take the first crack at this preview, Michael Borky. I hear they got an offensive coordinator that you are in love with at North Carolina. Oh, yeah, but it's going to be really difficult this year because they went from uh, a grass field to a turf field, so how are they going to chase grass when there is no grass? It really changes the philosophy, but that's what the was chase 40, space. That's
2: what the other 40 percent's for, man.
0: Yeah, the, the, the 40% of the plays that Matt Luke was, was holding down because the 60 that you were working with were executed perfectly. Yeah, It'll be a lot different when, in competition level, like they're not going to play LSU and Alabama this year. They're just not. Or Mississippi State. I should throw them in there with the number one defense in college football. But uh, A.J. Brown's not walking through that door either. And throwing deep balls to a bunch of North Carolina receivers when you play Clemson and even Florida State and even Syracuse is not going to work out too well, in my the opinion. Expect, the expected starter for North Carolina quarterback, Freshman Sam Howell. Ooh. So you got that happening is he a for you. He's a freshman. Freshman transfer, it's possible.
5: I, I don't. It's the know. name
0: is just familiar for some reason. Okay. I don't know if he's a redshirt freshman or uh, or not. Well, at least um, they don't have to worry about back training him on reading defenses. So that's a good true, thing. Yeah, true. Freshman Sam Howell broke the North Carolina high school all-time passing record. Okay. Uh, I just know it from recruiting, though. Last Jed's year heard from high school, yeah. <laughs> Nathan Elliott was the starter a year ago. Every time a quarterback came into the game to replace him, he got hurt, and Elliott ended up back in the uh, games. How about this? How about this schedule? South Carolina, South Carolina, week one in Charlotte. That's on August 31, and then Miami in week two. Who will have already played Florida? Yeah. They go to Wake Forest for a Thursday night non-conference game. Appalachian State, Clemson, Georgia Tech on the road before they get an open date. Two and nine last year. North Carolina under Mac Brown, uh, excuse me, under uh, Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora. I was thinking muscles and all that good stuff. That's me. Good come up with his name. It, it, Larry Fedora. Mi- I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Doesn't no, you're good. Mississippi State get an opportunity to see a former North Carolina running back, I believe that they're at least one of their best running backs from a year ago transferred to Kansas State and will probably be the starter there this year? Um, Kansas State has three transfer running backs. One is from Ball State, one is from North Carolina, and I can't remember where the other yeah, one came Jordan from. Brown is his name. So Jordan Brown for North Carolina was third on the team in rushing with 371 yards and three touchdowns in the uh, in the ball game or uh, in the season last year. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. We are with you on this Wednesday afternoon. College football fix is just around the corner. That comes your way about five minutes after five o'clock. And for that today, we will chat with Joe Moorhead who is the head coach at Mississippi State. He's finished all of his time upstairs, and it's kind enough to uh, stop by and spend a few minutes with us this afternoon as well. Do I have to put Jordan in the famous alums? I feel like I have to. Michael Jordan? Yeah. Um, yes. The fact I, that I just say Jordan is enough, right? I know, right. generally speaking, we uh, we shy away. Yeah, but from, it's, it's uh, just too much. Yes, Michael Jordan, Jordan is one of the famous, most famous people on the planet. I'm going James K. Polk, 11th President of the United States, and Andy Griffith. That's the best trio of alumni from well, that's, any that's of the, the schools best three we've trio. had. Hey, no, I'm gonna, I agree with that. Joe Moorhead just sat down. I'm going to turn his mic on. He's going. And he's a to... history guy too, so he'll back me up on this. So, so, coach, we, uh, Can you hear me? yeah, there, there we go. I got it now. Right. So, we do a hundred team in a hundred hundred days, mm-hmm. counting down to the start of the season. Yep. And as part of it, we look at the famous alumni from from each school. So today was North Carolina. Michael Michael Jordan, President James K Polk, Andy Griffith. That's a strong trio.
3: Lawrence Taylor.
0: I would try to stay away from athletics. Oh, you do? But with Jordan, I feel like you can't. Yeah, you can't. He, he's, he tra- I mean, he's like one of the most popular Andy people Griffin. on the planet. Yeah. Oh, I would have never guessed it.
3: There you go. Yeah.
0: Who's the second one? Yeah. James the 11th K. president Pol- of the oh, United States. Yes. Okay. Yeah. James K. Polk. If, yep. if you were president, you, you get, get, to get to be the on, end, the, yeah. uh, on the list. We're going to talk with uh, Joe Moorhead when we come back to SEC Media Days for today's college football fix. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, SEC Media Days. Hoover, Alabama, wrapping up day number three. And excited to have Joe Moorhead with us today for the College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Head coach of the Bulldogs, round two for you at SEC Media Days. How was today? It was fantastic. Yeah?
3: Yep. Lot, it went a lot slower, if that makes sense, in year one. Instead of drinking
0: out of a fire hose, oh, yes. it's like out of a cup it was. of water. Just a, just a garden hose without a faucet on it. Yeah, you, you look good. Thank you. You, you dropped a, a ton of weight intentionally. Yeah. You're really doing one meal a day. I joked earlier that you hadn't eaten in like four months. It feels like it sometimes. Yeah. You feel good though. I feel great. Yeah. How do you have energy when you eat one meal a day? Make sure it's a good one. <laughs> do you give yourself a cheat day? No, nope, have, have you not. have not? Have you not done? It? Are you yeah. saving it up for a day? It's so like you're I, going, I, you said. You're going back to Pittsburgh. You're going to get a permani sandwich. Yeah, but
3: it'll be dinner. So okay. like, so like the Saturday night's Pirates and Phillies. So at that game at 7 p.m., I'm going to tear up a permani sandwich. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you know about permani's
0: That is the sandwich with the French fries
3: and the the coleslaw. coleslaw. Everything on top. I'm trying to get it on Italian bread. I'm trying to get a franchise down here. I will go if you. It if you, It would. It would do. It would do great if You make it happen. Absolutely. You'll see me there. Yeah. there there's some in Florida. Yeah.
0: You, it's not deep fried, though. Nope. No. no. You You might have to, if want, have to no, might have this,
3: fry it. If, you could make a fried option of it, yeah. I would imagine.
0: Battered and deep fried yes. sandwich. I'm I, in. Um, I think he had it. Okay. Well, we were debating. But were you a baseball card collector growing yes, up? Yes, absolutely. You still have them? Start,
3: yes. Started with 79. That was my first year. And then kind of went up to probably the 86 with the tops, with the black. Yeah. border on the top. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. 87 was the wooden border. The wooden border. That was my last one. Yeah. 88 is when I fizzled out. So did you get entire sets? No. I think that's cheating.
5: You so, can't go so card you, you can't one to buy card box.
3: 792 go buy a box. in one thing. You've got to buy wax packs and separate them 0 to 99, 100 to 101. It's not in great and condition. And you may end up with 10, like, uh, whomever, Pete and Cavillius, But you you got to fight to get that one Barry Bonds. It's, All right. What was your
0: best I, card? What was your favorite card?
3: My, two, two questions. My, uh... My best card was a Roberto Clemente. Ooh. It was a sixty-seven or sixty-eight. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had the fifties one where it was sideways. My yeah. favorite one was my eighty-four Dwight Gooden traded because uh, eighty-five was his rookie, of the top, the top I, one. I
4: think I
0: had that eighty-seven Bonds at the house. It's not yeah. in good shape. No, it's, it's not. It's there.
3: So seventy-nine Royals.
0: Yeah. Yep. Nailed it. Nice call. Well, that was pretty good. Nice. It was a. It was a. Well, sideway, sideway, the sideways The, the 79 set Was landscape With three players on it That's That was really cool.
3: that was a 79
0: And you had Who on it? Quisenberry
3: Quisenberry Clint Hurdle And then there was Some third guy His name was Ray something or other I can't remember What it was I bet this is the first time You've taught baseball cards today
0: Second time Really? Mar- Mar- Marty McGee okay. There you go Yep there you go. Those guys are, are interesting. I, I was really fascinated with what you said at the, uh, the podium today. I, I, in fact, I said earlier today on the show, we were playing back the, uh, the clip where you were kind of talking about expectations in, in year one and some of the comments that you made. I thought it was as candid as I've ever heard a coach in, in, in this setting. So kind of, kind of walk us through for maybe the people that missed it earlier today, uh, how you set it up when you came in and what maybe you would do different. Yeah, I, I think, you know,
3: Reflection is is a huge part of of you know improving as a program and pointing a finger not a thumb looking in the mirror not out the window and like I said come off the plane for the press conference with guns blazing and asking about championship ring sizes and talking about Heisman trophies and really not understanding and this is true that people were talking about this team for a couple years leading up to it so much so that there was a new coach there but you know really creating a mindset publicly that anything short of a championship for our team was going to be a disappointment maybe to a certain faction of fans or a certain faction of people who covered a team and not not really being necessarily fair to our people because in a historical context, State has won 10 games twice in its history, has played for one championship in 98 and won one before World War II started. And, and I think as I look back on that, I wouldn't have changed what we want to do or what our goals or aspirations are but maybe kept it in a setting where it was more of a team thing between the walls than it was for public
0: consumption. So, so more of a – I
3: mean, And going back at the end of the day, like I said in there, on this day last year, the AP poll, we were picked to finish 18th and our college playoff ranking was 16. Sure. We were picked to finish third. We were fourth. And if LSU beats A&M, we're third. And the over-under was 8.5, and, and we won 8 in the regular season. And we're like three plays away from getting to 10. So I don't think – the results weren't way off. It, it wasn't of the off, but it was off of an expectation level from the outside that was exacerbated by me. Yeah. And I think if maybe I had quelled that a little bit, the eight state wins and an Egg Bowl win would have been like, hey, all right, this guy's doing what he needs to do. And I, and I don't think that the, the majority of the public perception was that we underachieved this year, but I, I think I may have inadvertently caused that to be the case but but deep down is that a peek into your personality I mean if that's what yeah, your I expectation mean, yeah, is it, and that's why I anything worth doing is worth overdoing and, and part of the reason of taking the job was elevating the program from good to great and if I didn't come here talking about championships then they picked the wrong guy but also probably should have done a little bit more legwork into what our team was you know and, and quite frankly how hard it's been for state to win 10 or win a championship here before I started you know saying some of the things i said and i, and, and I don't
0: i don't say i regret it but maybe it would have gone about a little bit differently so you've taken some steps this year to try to get to a championship and it sort of starts with you've been very aggressive in the transfer portal yeah. uh, you know you've got three grad transfers i don't think people realize there's a grad transfer punter on the <laughs> roster uh but then you also have isaiah zuber coming in and tommy stevens we'll, we'll talk about stevens but that's the obvious one yeah so <laughs> let's talk about the punter yeah man, he's gonna be, he's gonna play he's gonna have a chance uh from a you know familiarity standpoint, you know was it just a no brainer once he entered the portals that I have to reach out to him and at least see if he's interested. Engage his interest. Yeah,
3: yeah, and, and I think for a lot of reasons that you know, offensively last year you look at our production and scored fifty against Arkansas, thirty five against Ole Miss, high twenties against Auburn and A and M. I think over forty in every non conference game, if if not fifty. Mm-hmm. But then you have those four, which like I said, are still. I, i beat myself up about it then i beat myself up about it now and and as coaches we don't remember the wins as much as we do the losses particularly for a guy that's been known for his offense and i think for us to ascend to the level that we want to as an offense and as a team we need to pass the ball better uh and and when tommy going into year four his knowledge in his offense for for the skill set that he has as a passer and as a runner just like when Isaiah became available, and just like when Corliss became available, you know, I think it behooved me as the head coach and us as a as coaching staff to 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 bang the wheels and see where it went.
0: If you feel great about your quarterback situation, because we talk all the time about the transfer portal, I mean, the, the, you do run a risk in bringing guys in, I suppose that are that are older of upsetting team chemistry. Yeah. So if you felt great about your quarterback situation, you probably don't. Bring a grad transfer in. Is, is that reading too much into it? Yeah, I think it probably. When I say maybe reading a little bit much into it,
3: is there's not a quarterback on our roster that's been a, a full year starter. You know, sure. KT started the bowl game in a different offense and started against Stephen F. Austin, uh, and, and, and I just think from from a broad strokes perspective, when you can upgrade the talent level to position. Uh, you have to give yourself the opportunity, and I think KT had a very good spring. I think he took a bunch of positive strides, but like you mentioned, it was it was it more circumstance than it was need, and I think it was probably a combination of both.
0: <laughs> did I say that right? That's kind of how you phrase yeah, it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's basically it. it yeah. Kylan Hill, how cool. does his, how does his role look different this year than it did a year ago? We want to keep Kylan
3: healthy. His weights down. He's stronger. He's more mature. So I think his approach has been consistent. Uh, And I think part of the reason where you're going to see more more carries go to the running back is because we're going to be able to pass the ball better. And last year when we weren't throwing it well, teams were crowding the box with eight defenders. And if you want to run the ball and you're down (laughs) a number, you have to use the quarterback in the run game. Historically, we had been a 10 to 15 carry a game for the quarterback in the system. Last year, it was obviously, I want to say through the roof, but it was in the 20s. I mean, Nick had 252 carries, if I'm not mistaken, in that range. Uh, uh, 221. Uh, and that was born from necessity, not not necessarily desire, because you had to find a way to move the ball. And if we weren't doing it successfully
0: in the air and people are crowding the box, you have to use the quarterback in the run game. You brought fraud here to, to Media Days, and you know you had us in there for that clinic uh, last week. And I saw some of what the tight end can do in this offense. How big a role is that position going to play for you guys this year?
3: Huge. And part of our offseason you know, self-study was identifying who our play who our playmakers are and how we're going to be able to get them the ball. And you look back to Michael Gesicki at Penn State, and really, and they're not household names or local names, but the two tight ends at Fordham. You know, both were 50-catch guys or guys that got chances in the NFL. So that, that that between Farad, Dante, and those young guys, I think that the tight end position could really really make an impact this fall.
0: What's your level of excitement going into the season? It never changes. Does I, it, every, really? every year feels like the first year. I mean, the, the football junkie, that, just
3: give it to no, me, give it to me. The fact that I get to coach a kid's game for a living and get compensated incredibly well for it, you know, if I ever complain about one thing for more than five minutes, someone should smack me in the back of the head. Because uh, for, for, for a kid who grew up in Pittsburgh and played all three sports and really lived, breathed, and ate, I mean, it's – I mean, every year is new. Every year is exciting. But, all right, we um, got 20 seconds. Right. Rolling Stones in uh, New Orleans Monday night. How was that? It was an unbelievable experience, and not being a big rock and roll guy, to see him be on stage at 77 years old and go for two and a half hours straight, it's turned me into a fan is worth it.
0: If the rest of us can perform
3: like that at 77, we're doing something. Now, I hope I can make it to the bathroom by myself at 77, <laughs> let alone give a two-and-a-half-hour
0: concert. Coach, great to see you. Sports Talk Mississippi. SEC Media Day's Hoover, Alabama. Matt Stinchcomb joins us. Uh, college football analyst, the SEC Network, ESPN, Film Room, Former All-American, et cetera, et cetera. Did I miss anything in the bio?
7: I'm a, I'm a, I'm a greeter at Costco. Um, Independently wealthy? Define wealthy. I mean, can I eat at Arby's whenever I want? I can. Whenever I want.
0: So who's got it better than you, right?
7: Coach Spurrier. He's got a pretty good gig, doesn't he? <laughs> he's got the ultimate gig, right? I mean, he, he's, he will forever be the only... Uh, league champion of the AAFL or whatever it was.
0: Yeah, but he says that he and Neuheisel actually. I mean, he claims it, but Neuheisel says, "Well, we beat you in the regular season."
7: Yeah, you know, I got he may have a point there, but I think more people are listening to Coach Spurger than they are to Rick. I could be wrong.
0: No, I think you're probably right. He maybe, he, maybe he he tends to attract a crowd when he shows up.
7: <laughs> maybe if Rick put it to song. If he brought his quarterback his uh, guitar.
0: I don't think that would help at all.
7: That's
0: a good point. Um, let's, let's talk about this for a second. The uh, Good Works team from Allstate, part of the uh, AFCA deal, you've been involved with this for a long time yeah. and kind of speaks to guys doing stuff more than just playing football, right?
7: That You nailed it. That's Yeah, that's what it is. The, this team uh, is for the guys that get it. They get that because you play football, whether you're a, a name guy, a household name guy or not, if you walk into a sick kid's hospital room and you're wearing a fill-in-the-blank football jersey, that's a big deal to that kid. And he's not worried about your box score or your performance from the week before. He just knows that a college football player is in his room, or she. Uh, and if you go read to a classroom full of kids, that means something. And, you know, that's whether it should or not is a different conversation. We probably overemphasize sports in our culture. But the kids that are taking that opportunity and leveraging it in a positive way, you know, that, should be, that should be admired and acknowledged. And th- that's what this team is about. It just so happens the SEC has more kids named to the National Good Works team than any other conference. So I think that tells you a couple of things. One, yeah, they play really good football around here, but there's some really good kids that recognize that outside of all the time I got to invest into my playing career and in my academic exploits, I can give back in ways that are pretty meaningful. And there's a multiplier effect that goes beyond just the time that I'm investing.
0: You've always been fascinating to me. Solid academically, obviously a standout on the field. It's kind of spit in the face of the big dumb jock motto or model that that's out there, or that reputation that's out there. Have you always been like that when you played? Were you interested in stuff besides blocking a zero technique? Or?
7: <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, when you're offensive tackle and your job is block the defensive end, you got to do something else to occupy your time, right? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take a whole lot of ciphering to figure out. Oh, so let me get this straight: you want me to block the guy six inches from my face, the guy who's gonna hit me if I don't hit him? Fair enough. I, th- I think I can figure out that strategy.
0: Well, you did that well enough. But there are a lot of guys. You mentioned a second ago that maybe we overemphasize sports too much. But there are a lot of guys when they're in the middle of this college football thing, it's all that they care about. They don't care about an education. They don't care about going to class. But there's some that do, and I guess maybe those are the guys that probably should be celebrated.
7: I yeah, I agree. I, I do think, and I'm not a huge proponent of social media. Um, as a father of three but um i will say that i like that it affords i think there's a lot more interest outside of sports amongst these kids that are playing it not just football players it could be volleyball players golfers whatever tennis players um these are three-dimensional human beings and we only know them for really one sometimes too if uh we as members in the media force feed it but uh Um, The idea that this team acknowledges that these kids are doing stuff outside of just uh, studying and rehabbing, lifting weights, and practicing and watching film, that they're actually giving back in ways that matter, uh, I think kind of rounds out the fact that these are uh, fully realized human beings, not just some guy wearing a number who's running a route on a Saturday.
0: When you watch a game, do you watch it from the line of scrimmage out?
7: I try not to anymore. Really? Yeah, yeah, because I feel like it's funny because I've talked to other guys. Like, quarterbacks, I think, are positioned best to be great game analysts because they're forced to understand how all the pieces largely come together. Now, I will say a lot of them don't understand protection great, um, but what do they care? Just as long as they didn't get hit as they threw it, everything's working out. But.
0: And if um, they did get hit, it was your fault, right?
7: That's right. It's a real simple problem. You didn't block the guy, dummy. Well, let me explain why I'm not interested. Um, but, <laughs>
0: but That defensive end we were talking about a second that, ago had nothing that, to do with that. Yeah,
7: The guy who's going to be like a, a top ten pick next year is a yeah, big old mouth-breathing idiot. Uh, so I try to watch outside in because it's easier for me to, I think, deduce what happened in the box because I understand it better. And I don't understand the perimeter as well, so I feel like I need to watch that first. Um, so I watch the game outside in if I can. Um, I mean, unless it's obvious. If it's third and short or whatever, it's a you know, you're in a high red zone first down play or whatever. They have heavy run tendencies, et cetera, et cetera. Then maybe you watch the box. But um, I try to come back to the box versus start in the box.
0: Who's the nastiest guy you dealt with? On the defensive line in college,
7: uh, I think I think I'd say the nastiest player. Um, when I was at this, when I was playing at Georgia, these were the defensive ends: uh, Javon Kurse.
5: <laughs> Start with
7: the free. Which, yes, right. <laughs> which, incidentally, thank goodness, they played him at linebacker enough to where you could at least come up for air and decide if you wanted to continue your career. Uh, John Abraham, uh, Leonard Little. I'm leaving somebody out.
0: Was that when Alex Brown was at Florida also?
7: Or was, no, he he was no. later, wasn't he? Yeah, it was, be- it was before Alex Brown. Uh, that would have been scary because you have Javon and Alex at the same time. Alex was there. Uh, I think as I was getting done, my brother had Alex Brown. Great get off guy. Didn't have a lot of moves, you know. Javon curses is just an amazing athlete. Um, John Abraham was the best pass rusher. Um, Leonard, actually, maybe Leonard Little was the best pass rusher. But, anyway, those were the guys. You can't pick a nastiest one. The the guy who gave me the most problems was Antonio Cochran, who played at Georgia. I mean, he kicked my butt He just...
0: Did that make you better?
7: I think it did. Well, it depends on what kind of week I was having. Sometimes (laughs) you get tired and be like, you know. But he was... He had an arm over move that I just could not... It drove me insane. I just could not... I, I... I couldn't block the guy in practice. If he didn't want to get blocked, he would get me.
0: Is there an offensive line group or a specific player in the league right now? I know you said you tried to start watching outside him, but you watch enough of the line yeah, of scrimmage yeah. where you look and you go, that guy, yeah. that's special.
7: Andrew Thomas. And if it wasn't – if Trey Smith wasn't – if he wasn't not playing, possibly because of medical issues um, – I would probably say Trey Smith for Tennessee. As a group? Oh, uh, oh no, no.
0: No. I, I, no, I was an individual and then also kind of as a, as oh, a group. as a group? Um, uh, you
7: know, as a group, I would say Georgia. Georgia should be. Now, there's a lot of that going around right now. Georgia's best offensive line. I think uh, it's, too much of that is centered on how big they are. Bigger and better is best, but bigger is not always better better is better so you look at guys that are just good they shouldn't be but they are the Mark Stepnoskis of this world the Dan Neals that are 280 pounds soaking wet but they're just flat backing. they come off the line and they're going to walk you back and they got physics say they shouldn't but they do they're not 6'6 330 and they don't have to be um, George is big and I also think that they're better and that's the best combination you can have.
0: True or false? Offensive linemen have the most fun. False.
7: Have really? you really seen, seen those guys at practice? They
0: just all claim to have
7: the most fun, or be like the biggest practical jokers. Oh no, no, that may be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the game itself. No, no, I don't. Were, I, don't I don't. I'm not talking uh, about not, outside of. I was about saying, come man, on. Have you watched a practice? No. Go watch a practice. There are no smiles. Uh... No, I think they do. And as a group, there's not a better group on a team. If you've got a good offensive line room, then you've probably got good chemistry on your team.
0: I was talking to, um, I was one of the players, it may have been Matt Corral earlier today, asking, uh, oh no, I was talking to Alex Gibbons, an offensive lineman from Ole Miss, and I said, have the most funny, absolutely. I said, "Can anybody else get in that group?" He said, "No." I said, "What about if you're quarterback?" He said, "Well, maybe." Maybe,
7: maybe. That's right. But you're—it's—it's a—it's a tenuous hold. You're, you're a guest. You're always a visitor. You're never a member. Thanks for your time. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you having me on, man. That was fun. Matt Stinchcombe. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.